0: Hello, Louise. Here we Thanks, are for talking deeper into The Mistress's Daughter by A.M. Holmes. It's better and better. Actually. It does. We stopped last week right before she, Norman, her birth father, invited her to meet his wife, who
1: yeah, she wasn't was... super welcoming to her. No surprise. Immediately. I mean, yeah. why would he even do that? The whole thing is bothersome to me. I like when she has. Well, this I whole, think you know. Yeah. Maybe he was trying somewhat. I don't know, but
0: she, they go to the country club. I want which to I see, like what she says. Yeah. Dorman lives in this world, faded but presumed aristocracy. <laughs> <laughs> he's not upper class. He's overextended.
2: <laughs> I love it. And
1: then she says, "I arrive early, auditioning." Right? Yeah. I feel. I feel that myself constantly if i'm doing anything around this whole thing like auditioning and she's so secure in other part of her life that's what's so interesting about adoptees and then she's like oh i'm I'm being led away and maybe she really is the queen is there like the way he's acting about meeting his wife right maybe she's the queen it's like oh and she's anything but i mean it's not loving or nice it's like she's just not at all welcome in their lives immediately. Except that she does meet her brother.
0: One of her brothers is mm-hmm. just through Norman, but that's the only one she's allowed right. to know or meet Norman Jr. Um, <laughs> the eldest son. And then, then they move to Florida, which I think she you know, kind of feels as an abandonment maybe to some extent. But she also then writes to him, to tell him of her disappointment, that he didn't keep his promise about introducing her. And as it turns out, one of the kids opened the letter. So that was all exposed to his family. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so then they they kind of drift, drift away from each other. But the biggest
1: piece of what we read is Ellen dies. Yeah, Ellen dies. And she hadn't been in touch with her, which we kind of find out later why. But... All of a sudden, she just gets news that she dies. This woman she never wants to see. And then deep down, then she dies. You kind of do want to see her. It's this constant. One of our guests described it as like, you don't love her, but you don't not love her. I don't know. You want to be in, but you're not in. It's like, how does she just die? And she's young. She dies suddenly in the middle of winter. What does it say? I don't know how young she was. I mean, she was, I mean, AM's already in her thirties. I was thinking maybe early seventies or something. Mm-hmm. But I felt I felt like it was sort of sudden. I mean, I guess. Well, no, she was still in her 50s, I guess. Young, right? But she had had, obviously, some health issues. But oh, how was this part was Well, she part did of
0: have, have health issues yeah. because she called her to say, I've got a procedure. And and Am's like, I know I should offer to go. But she just like, she couldn't do it. And then Ellen cancels the procedure. Mm-hmm. And then she's on the phone with her mom. I thought this was really. Yeah, I was just, hoping you'd say uh, she was on the phone with her adopted mom who then gets a call on call waiting, puts AM on hold and comes back and says, Ellen's dead. And I think that, you know, it was just like a shocking, you know, and she says, I'm on the phone talking to my mother when she gets a call telling her that my mother is dead. It's a little too much like a Gertrude Steinlein. Mm-hmm. For a just one second <laughs> to talk about how humorous her writing is, you know, Ellen had a brother and she says that the woman that, delivered the news about the deaths says that ellen's brother was notified of her death and left ellen's body in the atlantic city morgue for at least a day while he was at the u.s open in <laughs> forest hills and a, later am's friend says he wasn't playing in it was he <laughs> like you couldn't leave you know, your know. Sister you have to finish watching the matches and then go collect her everybody the... that whole era of that generation of like My parents' generation, and like they were just like just totally, you know, didn't I don't know, (laughs) just interesting people. Yeah. So then AM goes to the funeral, and there's only a few people there. And
1: it was sad, the funeral. There was something mm -hmm. she said about it. I thought of last night telling you where she says that. I'm thinking Ellen is in there. This is when she's looking in her coffin, Mm -hmm, you know, at her coffin. Ellen is in there in that coffin paying attention. She knows she's dead. She knows how awful it is. I remember her irreverent burst of emotion, how she would say it was whatever it was. She was thinking it's depressing as hell, but I'm glad I'm there. If only to be a witness to this woman's life, the end of this woman's life to make note of it. Yeah, I, I highlighted that, too. I thought it was neat. Like the, It's like she had to be a witness to her own mother. Like no one, it's like no one cared about Ellen. I know. It made me sad. It just. Well, I it, think, you know, her
0: damage was so vast because then as she goes mm. into like the downward and that she buys a map and drives looking at all the addresses from the letters that Ellen had mm. sent her. And it was like a downward progression, you know, of her life just going downhill, going down, you know. And then there's another thing she said, what is so sad is that this is a woman who I had to protect myself from while she was alive and now she is dead and I'm doing chin-ups outside her kitchen window, scrambling for clues. Yeah. You know, like she didn't, I had a similar thing with Tilda where I didn't, like I always kept this wall up with her, my birth mother, Mm -hmm. kept a wall up. And then now, you know, I'm like, wait a minute, why didn't I get more? Why didn't I, you know, I, I, but. Like, there wasn't the time to get that information. There wasn't. It was then and now. And, you know. And boy, what
1: a- what you know now, Sarah, what you would have in those conversations would be so different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, and she goes to see the last place that she lived, and it had been, she gets in there, and it had been kind of picked through and ransacked by yes. the people. Like, just. And it was just trash left. And, like, she clearly had a little bit of, like, a little child thing collecting the dolls and the. Mm-hmm. It just made me sad. I just thought this poor woman living in this lost life, sort of like her past.
0: And, and that, as I am, is going through this, she's finding, you know, like she found in a pocket of mm, her pants, okay. she found a wad of money, you know, and it, she's like, I do that with my money. And her mom is always like, how can you do that? Like who treats money that way? And So she said, it creeps her out, this indescribable subtlety of biology. In her pockets, I find the same things I find in mine.
1: Yeah,
0: Um, she goes home. Well, I won't skip ahead, but she goes home. Yeah, because I had a couple of things highlighted. She said, there's a tendency to romanticize the missing person. To think about her is to allow her in. I hear Mm -hmm. her voice in my head. Unreliable though she was, she is the only one who could explain to me what happened. And then um, after mm-hmm. the, going through the house, she meets friends, really good friends who were there for her and takes them to dinner. And she says, in the end, Ellen pays for the meal. I <laughs> use the wad of money from her back pants and whatever is left. I leave as the tip. the
1: tip. Well, and it freaks her out so much what you said about the, how is she a grown woman also stuffing stuff in her pockets? It could have been her pockets as she goes home and cleans her house. Yes. Like, she's like, like I can't be like this. I, I don't I, want to end up like this. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to end up like this. I don't think it's more like,
0: I don't think it was, I can't be like this. I, right. I, yeah. I mean, I can, but not to become that. I, not to, to be. End up like that. I had similar thoughts after, after Tilda. Like when I went to say goodbye to her and like, is this going to be my life alone, mm. you know, in a small apartment?
1: and That's sad. I wish I knew better then, actually, to, you know, I like, only we her. didn't not it, that long. We didn't talk about this stuff. Like no. I wish I went with you, and like it's a big thing. I you like might that have gotten f- Bird flu from Becker. He he got bird <laughs> flu on that trip. Damn it, Becker! <laughs> I'd still i still be think mad it was at bird it.
0: flu, whatever it was, around two thousand nine. <laughs> <laughs> good thing you didn't go. Good thing um, you didn't go. <laughs> the last thing that I highlighted, and I think it's a good way to. Mm -hmm. in this is, I struggle with how to narrate the confusion, the profound loss of a piece of myself that I never knew, a piece that I pushed away because it was so frightening, the autobiography of the
1: unknown. I think Mm -hmm. that will have to be a quote for Instagram. I think so. And there's a, she has some good ones in this. I mean, it made me think a little bit about my biological mom, Linda, like I romanticize her a little bit you know, I know more and more about her, but you romanticize what you don't know. Right. And so mm-hmm. it's like, you just always have to live with that because you're not going to know the full thing. You'll never know everything about Tilda. I'll never know. Luckily, I have some sisters who yes, I can talk to now about this stuff. Mm-hmm. It's a <sighs> lot. Well, this has been another great chapter. I'm like, it, yeah. it gets on to book two now. So I know. I'm curious. So that's I haven't read ahead. Have you read ahead? I have not read ahead. No. (laughs) I haven't either.
0: Just so that I can... Well, partially because I... Yeah, I I have not read ahead. (laughs) Um, So we'll we'll see you in a few minutes for a great guest. We sure will. Okay, see you soon.
1: Bye-bye. Hey there. We wanted to give a big thank you to all of our Patreons. We appreciate you so much. Every day we get a message from someone thanking us for giving a platform to adoptees. And we'd love for every voice to be heard. If you want to help make that happen so we can come to you weekly, any amount helps. Nothing is too small, truly. We are grateful to each and every one of you. Okay, back to the podcast. Thanks. Welcome to another episode.
0: We are here today, excited to introduce our guest. She is another listener who reached out to us. And we love these stories. We love getting this and being able to interview people that just find us out in the world, so let me introduce Amy Hanson. Hi,
2: hi, <laughs> Amy.
1: Hi, we're so hi. happy to have you. Thank you. Thank you. So, Amy, we know a little bit about you, but give us your story. You're coming to us from a beautiful cabin in Wisconsin. And we're a little bit jealous of that. Yes, so.
0: <laughs> more than a little bit.
2: <laughs> I know. Like, look at that. I know. Yeah, it's a happy place for me. That's for sure. So, is there a lake? Um, You're on the lake. Yes. I'm actually looking at the light because uh, I thought if the sun was coming the other way, it would be bad. So <laughs> nice. <laughs> <twice>. uh, <laughs> perfect. Figure place. It out. Yeah. Yes. So, well, I'm Amy and I was adopted at birth back in the baby scoop era, 1969. I have grown up knowing I was adopted. I don't remember being told I was adopted. I just knew I was adopted. I did receive you know, your non-identifying information that gave a little information about my biological family, very generic. And it said that my parents were engaged to be married, but they were both in college. And at the last minute they decided, or he decided that that just wasn't going to work. So knowing the time, you know, I always understood it, like, that's all she could do. Like my birth mom, that's the only option she had. She didn't have the support of parents. You know, it was a different time. You couldn't, well, you could, but you weren't looked upon very well to have a child out of wedlock. So, I was born in the hospital. I was never seen where, by my birth mother. Where were you born? What state? In, in, Indiana. Indiana,
0: Indiana. Okay. So, Mm -hmm. and you were not held by your birth mother.
2: No, I have met her and she's filled in some of the gaps for me, but it sounds like a lot of women at that time were sedated towards Mm -hmm. the delivery part of their birth. And so the child was taken away and was never held by their mom or even, you know, she never saw me. So I was in the hospital for about eight days. I think I had a fever is what it said on my papers. So After that, I didn't know this until I did receive my information from the state because I had applied to get my original birth certificate and documents just because I wanted to know that I actually was in foster care for, I think, another eight days before I was actually placed with my adopted family. And so that kind of hit me hard because I had never known that before. But I would say growing up, I had a very typical childhood, happy You know, felt loved, given opportunities. I have an older brother who's also adopted. We're not biologically related at all.
1: How much older is your older brother?
2: He's two years older than I am. Two years Mm older. Yeah. So we, I mean, we really knew we were adopted. We never talked about being adopted, really. You know, we got the same kind of narrative that I think so many of us did back then is how lucky we were that our birth mothers loved us so much that she placed us for adoption and we were chosen and you know i grew up believing that story for so long i did too my, yes my husband and even my best friend from high school when all of this like started coming about where i was having these feelings of like wanting to know more she's like you always said you didn't care and my husband said you always said it didn't matter and i was like It never did. It honestly never. Well, and maybe not that I could articulate or communicate as a child. I never thought about it. The one thing I did always think about was who did I look like? My birth family or my adopted family are dark, dark hair, dark eyes. You know, I have this blue eyes, blonde hair when I was born. So I just didn't fit in as far as that, you know, looking alike anyone So it was kind of always known that I was adopted by everybody because obviously, (laughs) genetically, I could not have been born to them. But yeah, and then they eventually, my adopted parents actually, and I'm trying to think of the year, probably six years after I was adopted, they did get pregnant and they had twin girls that actually didn't survive. Um, They were born prematurely. So I vaguely remember that. And then nine years after, I was adopted. They did have a daughter, a biological daughter of theirs. So did they just keep me who trying and trying Is, were they even though I guess so huh. <laughs> like I don't really the conversation never was like uh, we adopted because we couldn't have children. like I never or maybe I, I they know. thought they think,
1: couldn't even have kids. It just didn't use protection too. And eventually that could
2: very possibly be. So, yeah, I have a younger sister. And that's great. Like we are probably closer than my brother and I, and. Did you
0: have any feelings about your little sister coming along? Did that feel like any kind of abandonment from your adoptive parents or do
2: you know what I mean? Yeah, actually, you know, it's so funny because I was always so like loving of babies. Like I always wanted to be the babysitter. I always loved the babies. So my mom even says to me, she's like she was like your baby doll, like your living baby doll. I remember mm-hmm. feeding her and changing her and just like, you know, mothering her. So no, I mean I never felt that she you had have, you had that 10 year
1: kind of gap, like nine year gap.
2: Yeah, nine years. So yeah, she was like my little baby doll. <laughs> So I didn't mind having her at all. It didn't seem to disturb anything. I didn't feel like she was giving more attention or anything like that.
1: When you were like in the middle school, high school years and all that, did you have any like things that that would come out that you didn't know what they were? Did your brother, like, did you guys ever bond over any of this or was it just kind of the status quo?
2: So this is the funny thing. And I think this is typical is he struggled a lot with his adoption. He acted out, he got into trouble. He, you know, like it was scary moments at times with fights of my parents, especially him and my father, just, you know, they just didn't, you know, my brother was pulling away obviously because he was having some trauma that he couldn't get out. And my, you know, parents were like, why can't you do this? Why can't you behave? But in talking with him recently, I didn't realize we had moved a lot. So, we changed schools, we changed friends. And for him, it was very impactful times. Like he had Mm -hmm. started, you know, middle school and then he got pulled away. And then he was in high school for one year and then went to another high school. So I think those were really formative years, I guess for him, where me, it was just a little easier, I guess, but I was definitely the people and just like, stay out of my brother's way. (laughs) You know, yeah. he's going to go about his business and I don't want to get in trouble like that. So that's kind of how my childhood was. is just kind of staying away, being good. You yeah, know, that's not, right. Not, not making waves. River. Just being, not the making good, waves. being
0: the good girl. <laughs> exactly. All of this, <laughs> exactly. which you probably look at now and understand what was happening, but at the time just thought everything was fine. Did you stay close to your brother? I mean, so or- have a
2: relationship? So we sort of have a relationship. I mean, we get together for, you know, holidays. He's still, I mean, I think he still struggles a lot with his adoption. I don't know that he puts his difficulties on his adoption. So we're not close, but when I started having these more, you know, feelings of, I know people don't like it so much coming out of the fog that term, but I feel like that's what I did. I did reach out to him and we went out and you know he can understand it, but he feels like he can't blame adoption for some of the trouble that he had, but that he can definitely see that his growing up was affected by the moving and probably mm. of the adoption and not knowing. So we kind of connected a little bit more recently on this topic yeah. than in the past.
1: And you may be someone long-term never- he can call or, you know, now that you've had that little connection, you never know.
2: Oh yeah. I mean, I think so. Definitely. So that was good. So, I mean, I think that of all things were good because he was saying, I'm sure I scared you and, uh-huh. you know, our younger sister in the way I acted as a teenager, you know, feel
1: uh-huh. so bad for him. How did you start to kind of come out, come of, out, the out of the fog yeah, and figure gonna... it all out?
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, It wasn't until about, I think it was 2017. So, I mean, it hasn't been that long. My family and I used to always watch, I don't know if you've seen that show, Long Lost Family, like a TLC show. (laughs) So, we watch that all the time. And of course, at the end of the show, they'd all look at me and they'd be like, there she goes. She's crying again. You know, yeah, right. and I say, oh my gosh, wouldn't that be so cool? Wouldn't it be cool? You should do it. You should do it. And I was like, no, I don't think I want to do that. And then of course the ancestry starts going on sale, right? And I was like, okay, fine. I'm going to buy it. <laughs> so I bought an ancestry kit back in November of 2017. And really, I just wanted to know, because my, my youngest daughter would be like, are we Irish? Like on St. Patrick's Day, right? Like, are we Irish? I'm like, I don't know if we're Irish. <laughs> you, know? right. you can say you are, but I don't know. So I thought, well, how cool would that be to just kind of... You're,
1: you're literally just noted. wanting to know genetic um, things, right?
2: Genetics, ethnicity. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So my husband said, are you sure you're ready for that? I was like, I don't know what you're talking about, but obviously, he knew more <laughs> than I did. <laughs> so I did get the results back and I had a match to my birth father. Ah. But when I first got the results back, I didn't even go to the matches I went straight to you know what region but what me origins too were. me too I was like reading every single that's like, so weird me too. I was like detail. oh there's these people yeah god that's funny no and then I clicked the matches <sighs> and I almost literally fell off my chair like I was stunned to it have said because um, it says parent child yeah you had a big yeah one. <laughs> Yeah. And the thing is, it didn't have a name. It was a username. And oh, I it was also a username. Knew, he, didn't have non- his, was, he didn't
1: have his name. Yeah, mm-hmm.
2: No. And I did find out in my non-identifying information that he was also adopted. Oh, um, yeah. So I thought, well, maybe that's why he's looking. So, of course, you do all the reconnecting through the messenger system and he never reached out to me at all. So the good thing about that was that I knew so he, he was my paternal side. He didn't reach out to so you at all. He didn't respond to any of my he messages. He didn't respond.
1: Yet, no. mm-hmm. Okay. So I want to make um, sure I heard that. Yeah. Go ahead.
2: Yeah. So <laughs> I knew he was paternal, so I could match maternal matches. So I did find a close cousin match who's also adopted on my maternal side, and she's like, "I wish I could help, but
1: <laughs> I think I'm we're also in the adopted. same boat."
2: Yeah. And we still haven't been figured out her connection. We kind of know who it is, but he's not admitting to having part of that. So and
1: when you were doing this, did you have any, were you still sort of in that? Like, oh, this is interesting thing, but nothing like that's how I
2: was. It was like very strange
1: my whole ancestry journey, but like,
2: I just yeah. wondered how I you mean, felt was- about it. I was stunned. And then I was like, well, it's here. Like now that it was in my lap, (laughs) I wanted to investigate further. So I found another cousin who had an elaborate family tree on my maternal side. And since I had some non-identifying information, I knew that my grandfather was one of seven children. So it was really easy for her to figure out who it was just based on what his age most likely was, because I knew Approximately how old my birth mom was. And so, with that, I used Ancestry and was able to find her married name on her, I think it was her father's death certificate. So then I went to Facebook, like we all do. Right. (laughs) And um, right away, my daughter helped me and she found her right away. So I reached out through Facebook to her and it took a little bit. Like, I put out a really nice, like, hey, generic, you know. It it could have gone to her other
0: messages though. You know how Uh that is with Facebook? If you're not friends, they don't get it right away. Yes.
2: Exactly. So then I, you know, losing patience here after all these years, I'm like, I don't need to know. And then I was like, I need to know now. So I just basically put it out. I was like, I think I'm your daughter. This is my birthday. This is my name. If you want to connect, here's my number, here's whatever. So, when she finally did get the message, she did respond and say that she was thrilled and amazed and so happy that I had reached Uh out to her. So, that was an unbelievable message. I mean,
1: really, that's like the golden message, right? And then, exactly.
2: And then, where was she living
1: and how was she? And did she have more kids and all that stuff?
2: Yeah. So, she got married, not to my birth father, and had three more daughters. So, I have Uh three half sisters. And they had known about me for some time. I think she had kind of struggled maybe a little bit with what was, you know, having given what she daughters all about. So I wasn't a surprise when I reached out to her and they were all excited and they all reached out to me on Facebook and, you know, wanted to meet me and get to know me. So it was really exciting. And where, where are they now? Like, where is she? So she still lives in Indiana, very close to where ah. I was born. Mm-hmm. And I have a sister who lives there too. I actually have another sister who lives about 45 minutes away from me. And another one who lives out in Colorado.
1: That's a nice story. I mean, Sarah met her biological sisters. And it was a really nice connection. It's nice that you have that. Like, yeah.
2: Just the, so just then the you actually told
1: them, you know?
2: I know. And her husband... You know, I give him a lot of credit because if he wasn't supportive of this at all, there wouldn't be any type of relationship. And that's kind of going forward. I have found out who my birth father is. I have communicated with him and I did meet him one time, but. Did he get your messages on Ancestry? I don't know if he did or not. I mean, I think they've been seen because I think it says on Ancestry. Like it has almost like a, but so I think they were seen. Once I figured out who like his name and everything, I did send him a letter in the mail. So he got the letter and he called me right away. And he was really standoffish at first, kind of like, I can't believe how you were able to find me so easily, you know? And I was like, but he was more worried about Like, but you're the one who did your DNA, knowing that you had a child out there, I'm sure, you know, this shouldn't come as much of a surprise. So then we kind of talked here and there and then met one time with his wife. And, you know, the first thing she said when I asked to get a picture, she said she didn't want to see it on Facebook. (laughs) And I was like, Uh, okay, well, (laughs) well, there you go. Did they have kids? Did they have kids? Like, do you have siblings? Through him, yeah, I have a brother, a half brother, who also doesn't want to have communication with me. So and he knows he does know about you. He does. I found how did I find the connection? I think I got his name through. You know, you can go to other sites where you upload your DNA. So he was yeah. on another site where I had his full name, and I actually reached out to his wife through Facebook, and she has actually corresponded with me a lot in hopes she to one day you know get us together and she doesn't understand why he doesn't want to meet me but we've communicated here and there like I have with his wife it was regularly before it's kind of very sporadic right now yeah so
1: mm-hmm. well he may come around i mean and he didn't know about you i'm assuming so it's just kind of like getting used to it no him.
2: he did oh he, he did, did. Wow, he did know about me. So, you know, I learned a lot when I talked to him in the way that he said he wanted to do the right thing and marry her, and that she said we were never going to get married. So, you know, my pieces of paper that I had with the fairy tale of, you know, dating and being engaged were not. Oh, they <laughs> the weren't true. No, they made. Surprise. Of course, they made up the information <laughs> for the.
0: So, what was right. the
2: truth? Then he wanted to so, get married to do the right thing, and she said no. So she said they were never engaged to get married. She had no intention to ever marry him. They had dated on and off. They were both at different colleges. They got together and we know what happens, but there was no marriage proposal. He knew about the pregnancy. She kept the pregnancy secret from her family until she was about six months along, Mm -hmm. six or seven months along. And her mom was like, you're pregnant. Like her mom just figured it out because she couldn't hide it anymore. And at that point, it was basically, you're just going to place this baby for adoption. So and her
0: parents told her, did she want to keep you? She said she just knew she couldn't
2: keep me. Mm-hmm. She was just finishing school. She was graduating in May. I was born in March. She was in a hospital program. And she said, you know, they could have kicked her out, you know, being pregnant of this program, being single, but they didn't. So she was lucky to be able to get her degree and, and go on. How sad but, is that? Um, I mean, just I
1: think about that alone for women. I mean, come on.
2: Right. Like She couldn't right. even
1: entertain exactly. the thought because it would mess up her life.
2: Right. It's like, either school or... Yeah.
1: God forbid you do both. Right. Mm-hmm.
2: Right. So, yeah. So that was never going to happen. So but she... It obviously, you know, it
1: obviously affected her because she told her daughters and...
2: Right. You know, I think... I think the way she's told me is that when her daughters got to the high school age of, you know, having boyfriends, you know, pretty much letting them know what can happen with a dumb mistake, you know, to be careful. And so I think that's why she got that out to them. Yeah. <laughs> the message. So are you, so mm-hmm. you're close now and do you have a close relationship? So we do, we get together on and off. We're about four hours away. So we do visit, we talk a lot. I was invited the one time I had to cancel, I was invited to my sister's daughter's graduation party when we had first scheduled. So that's why I canceled on you. So we do things, you know, my sister in Colorado, I've seen her once, we met once, but we are planning to get together again over spring break next year. So that'll be nice. So yeah, I mean, I don't know exactly your stories, but you meet your family and you can see the resemblance, like, I, you know, there's so much that I feel like we have in common, but yet all those years go by that you really, you know, didn't grow up with yeah, someone. Right. Um, yes.
0: No shared so we, history.
2: Yeah. So as much as it's awesome and amazing to have it and to see it, like I'm grateful for it, but it is also hard to struggle with like, you know, should I call? Like, you yeah. don't know where to like, where I you almost
0: feel Yeah. BJ Lipton Yeah. Talks about that in the journey of the adopted self. Just about that right. kind of where in that in between in land between. of not having right really belonging anywhere. You know, it's almost
1: lonelier. Like I feel that way sometimes. Like I don't know where I fit. It's right. strange. Yeah,
2: I agree. And you know, with my adopted family, I was going to ask you,
1: how are they? Yeah,
2: so they know my adopted father passed away in 2019. So he knew that I had met and enjoyed hearing the stories. My parents were divorced, so they weren't together. My adopted mom had always said, you know, if you want to find your birth family, I would always help you and support you. And I believed that (laughs) until it actually came Uh, true. And I, you know, I try to feel both sides. Like I think she is hurt by it, but yeah, like I just want that support of my mom. Like, the day I met my birth mom for the first time, it was such a great moment. I didn't tell her I was doing it until after the fact. And then after the fact, I got, but I wanted to go with you. What about me? Why didn't you invite me? And she just couldn't get over the fact that I didn't invite her. And from that point forward, I kind of feel like she's more worried about her and her feelings, yeah. then really thinking right. about like how this impacts me and my life and being able to see people who look like me to be able to find out more about my origins. Like that's so important that, you know, it's so great to have. And she just to this day, like we struggle, we honestly struggle. I try not to keep secrets anymore because it was like exhausting trying to like, okay, how am I going to say I went here or didn't go there? Or who was uh, with me? Yeah. You know, cause that's exhausting.
1: I had that at the beginning. My parents didn't want to know, especially my father. Okay. They didn't want to know that was the like, and then I was like, oh, I'm supposed to just secretly figure right. this out. But then they started to come around and ask more questions and be more open. And so that's the hope, right? Is right. openness and connection eventually. And that makes me sad for you in that way. And yeah. did they and ever, I, did they I, ever I tell-
2: meet after that? Yes, they did meet. And then another time, like they met. For coffee. They were in town and we went out for coffee, and I thought it was great. You know, she said she enjoyed meeting her, both of them. And then I invited her to my youngest daughter's high school graduation with my sister, who lives close by, and my adopted family. And my adopted mom got very upset because my birth mom's husband called me their daughter. Uh. And she, Was like I can't believe he said that. Like I need to leave. Like you know what about me? And I was like, Uh, but I am. You can't control
1: all these people. It's so.
2: (laughs) I know. So she left. She did. She left the party. Because she got so upset, she left. And it's like you know, like and that's so embarrassing for me. Like I'm like she's leaving. (laughs) Why is she leaving? Just because. He referred to me as their daughter, and for your daughter too, for graduation. Oh, true. Oh, totally. So, yeah. so yeah. So they, those are still the kind of reactions I get from her. I try to. Has she I try done to any? Talk to her. Has she
0: done any kind of reading about adoptees? Anything that might give her some insight into? I, her, I don't think ad- she
2: has. I could probably send her or give her that. I've just tried to talk to her on a personal, like, you know, here's how I'm feeling and letting her know that it's not, because I think she takes it personally, like, oh, you had a bad childhood. Now you got to go find your family, which I'm like, that's not it at all. You know, I had a great childhood. I just want to know, like, you know, she has a picture of her grandfather, her great-grandfather, some uncles, you know, this old picture from early 1900s. I don't have that. And she's like, but you know, now you've met them now. So it should be fine. I'm like, you, you should box understand. that up and like put was, it away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I, I'm still trying to have her understand where I'm coming from because it's so hard, you know, when you want your mom to understand. And I know not, you know, with people who are not adopted, it's very hard, you know, talking to my husband, he's still, he tries the best he can and he does a really good job. But there's just parts of him that he just can't understand, which I, you know, I get that. Of course. So, did
0: you have any feelings of like, once you started to come out of the fog, did you have mm-hmm. any feelings of anger? That's what happened to me. Um, I was just curious of just kind of
2: anger, well, I had a lot of anger about it. I, I had a lot of more like emotional, just like sadness where mm-hmm. I would just, you know, would cry for, you know, just having a feeling of loss. I did have some anger when I received my adoption file and found out more information that was kept from me. And that to me just angered me so much. And I think that's why I want to like talk to as many people that I can and on podcasts to share my story because I think so many adoptees feel like you're the only person in this world who's feeling this way. And you, it's almost like a crazy feeling. And then, when you see like documents that are all about you that you've never seen before, and like the original birth certificate, I mean, I never questioned my birth certificate that I use today, right? Because my adopted parents get your passport and whatever, right? (laughs) You know, I never questioned that. And then, even like when I had kids, and I, Had their original birth certificates. I mean, like I should have known. That looked like a piece of paper that they got from like Office Max to make a birth certificate. Yes, (laughs) you know, (laughs) Office Max. Yeah, it's true. um, I just
0: got my original birth certificate about six weeks ago, and it has a different name than my adoptive that my birth mother told me she gave me, and different than that's on my adoption decree. It's, um, really? it's some name Other that name never knew about, really? heard about anything. And my birth mother died in, in 2009. So there's nobody to ask unless I tracked wow. somebody down at the adoption agency. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that bizarre.
2: Yeah. 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 yeah there's I mean, no explanation. It's crazy. I mean, even like the original birth certificate, I didn't know what time of day I was born. I didn't know how much I weighed. Like I didn't have any of that on my birth certificate. You know? I haven't
1: seen my birth certificate yet. I'm sending away for it through the Colorado okay. process, but I have a few letters from my biological mom to my aunt, my biological aunt, oh, where she okay. documented a few things like time of day. And
2: okay. that she hoped
1: I wasn't going to be born on Friday the 13th. And I was, and things like that. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, well, at least the day is right. At least I know the day is right. But you know, it's a very strange what you're saying. It's It's just resonates, right? All adoptees. It's so strange.
0: So where are you at now? Like you're still (laughs) trying to, I mean, you're still (laughs) navigating it kind of, right? I mean, yeah. And have you given up on your, I mean, is your birth father just, he's just not emotionally available. He just can't do it.
2: I guess he can't. I mean, I have written him letters, just putting it out there saying, you know, like we had like little text messages like, oh, happy Easter, Merry Christmas. And I was like, well, what kind of relationship is that? Honestly, right? Like, to me, getting, you know, Merry Christmas or Happy New Year is not a relationship, you know, and a lot of times when he would send text messages, it was more about like, what was going on in his life, he never really asked about my kids, my life. And I thought, how much energy do I want to put into someone who doesn't seem to really care about me. So I've written a few letters to him just basically saying, I'm here. I'm open. If you want a relationship, if you would like to get to know me, I am so open to that, but you need to take the lead because I'm just, I was tired of either not getting a response back or a response that would take like months, you know, and I would get something so random and I, it just, It was something I was putting so much energy in and not receiving. I mean, I think you you know, it's not like you want a father figure, right? Just want to know what he's like. Like, I just want to know him as a person to kind of know where half of me comes from, you know? So he had a birthday in May. So I wrote him a letter, sent him a card, and I haven't heard anything from him. Does he have other grandchildren besides yours? He does. He has three grandchildren. And yeah. So he only had one child. He's an only child. My birth mom's an only child. So there's Well, not wasn't a lot he? Of he was also is, adopted too, wasn't he? Did yeah. Did he find out anything about his birth family? He didn't. And you know, the reason like at one point, the conversation about like how I found him so easily and everything. And I said, Well, you did the DNA. And he was like, well, I was doing it for my son because my son wanted to know more history. And I was like, oh, but you only want the history going like. <laughs> right. Start at you. Tree, yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, well, I'm part of that family tree, but par- apparently. <laughs> doesn't yeah. be so I don't know. It's just, oh, it's one of those things that I'm still struggling with. You know, he's getting older and. Yeah. There's the age consideration. Yeah and you know I mean I've given him I've asked for medical history he's given me like tidbits but I almost like feel like printing out one of those forms like when you go to the doctor and just yeah. ask him to fill it out and send it back to me to have and I guess just kind of wait it out and see but as far as like I'm still dealing with this whole journey of coming yes, out of the yeah, fog of and, and this this loss so are we and, we, yeah. we are too we get it <laughs> yeah you know and I'm trying, you know, I think we'll go, probably shouldn't talk about it, but <laughs> like the abortion and the uh, your but adoptions there, you know, get that from coworkers all the time, and
1: ah uh, yeah, I've gotten it a few so, times myself,
2: and I finally, and normally, I always grew up, if I knew I was going to have a different view. I kind of kept my mouth shut, right? I just kind of shake my head or walk away. And I'm trying to develop more of, you know, sharing my thoughts and feelings about being adopted. I'm like, you know, you're saying one thing, but you have no experience about what it feels like to be an adoptee. And they'll look at me like, what do you mean? And I was like, if you want to know, you talk to me, but you know, there's a lot. (laughs) There's a lot you don't know. It's on the inside that we cover up. And don't put that there's an adoption out there as a solution. So um, I like that. I
1: like that you're doing all of this. I mean, it takes a lot to figure this stuff out in life and to embrace it and to have your adopted mom be uncomfortable and your share what's going on and just be like, well, this is what it's, you know, it's hard. It's not right. Easy.
2: You know, I said to my husband, I said, I really just don't feel like I know who I am. And mm-hmm. he was like thinking I was going to ask him for a divorce because oh. it- <laughs>
1: We've had these conversations all year at my house, and I was <laughs> like, like, "Really? What's no, happening?"
2: <laughs> I go, "You don't understand." I go, "I feel like being adopted put me in a place, right? And I grew up with either a wall or some borders that I yes. I just didn't cross. And now, as I'm getting older, I'm thinking I have a voice. These are feelings. These are thoughts. Like I want to let them out, and I know it's going to hurt some people, and it's hard but it also hurts me having been, right. you know for the past 50 plus years doing and keeping it other people keeping it in right being a people pleaser exactly so yes. i'm struggling but slowly i am and now we to have share. we have a
1: community right because like sarah oh and i are gosh. going through this and i know i know there's people mad i just i'm sure but i'm like oh, oh well this is kind of like we talk about it sometimes like okay Wonder if we pissed anybody off, but we're just having our voice now. And right. Yeah. Nothing like women that come forward and have their voice and men too. And in our 50s yeah. and 60s, because so many people just live as the pleasers.
2: Right. You know? Right. And I mean, that's what I admire about you both, you know, so much. And so many people who are doing these podcasts, hosting and just getting and letting people get their voices out to be heard because. There's way more people (laughs) feeling the same way that I do, that you do than I ever thought imaginable. Like I really never thought.
1: I didn't know either, honestly. Mm -hmm.
2: Well, now we're finding each other, which is a great thing. (laughs) It is.
1: I'm so glad
0: you, you found us and you came on and thank you for being here today and sharing your story with us. And I mean, stay in touch.
2: Yeah. You're going through this. Yes.
0: Yeah, I know I we're all it. kind of in the going through that struggle too. So we're yeah. here for each other. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so I
2: appreciate that. It's Thank a safe you place. So much. Yeah. Yes.
1: Thanks for coming, Amy. Uh, well, and, and I'm not Thank joking. You. We're all coming to your house next year to the cabin. So <laughs> <Yes. Okay. laughs> that would be amazing. We're going to invite all our season one, two, and maybe three <laughs> guests. So.
2: Okay. I mean, I will say it's so funny because normally in a situation like this, where I'm like, I feel like I'm meeting you for the first time, yeah. right? I would be so nervous and so uncomfortable to have to like share some of these deep, like personal feelings. But when I do meet other adoptees, it's almost like you've been good friends and that you've known each other for so long because we have this core feeling that we can all relate to. And it's just, it's refreshing. It really
1: is. Whenever Sarah and I do our interviews, we're always like, oh, this is the best part of our week. I mean, really just Mm -hmm. yeah. for us too. It's like, oh, we have a new friend and it's so instant. Yeah. It's crazy, (laughs) you know, it's a whole new journey. (laughs) We speak the same language. Yeah, we do. We
0: do. That's what it is.
1: Well, thank you so much. Thank you. And we're going to be in touch with you and I'm excited for people to hear your story. Enjoy your time, your peaceful time.
2: (laughs) Thank you. I will. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Thank you.
1: Bye. Bye. I was cool to meet her finally and just have that connection. I like her personality.
0: I mean, I had a similar birth story in that, you know, not held by my birth mother, foster
1: care, you know, parents making the yeah. decision for her. When she wrote us and I read that, I thought of you and it just makes me sad to think of a baby, like just kind of flailing and maybe the nurse picks you up or whatever. And God, you know, when yeah, you get just to the brass tacks of it.
0: Yeah. Going to the nursery and nobody. Yeah. And, and it's said, funny too. Yeah. I was thinking when she was talking about just the narrative that was given, <laughs> obviously given to every adoptive parent back then. You know, yeah. You know, tell them they were chosen. Tell them their birth mother loved them so much she had to give them up. That is clearly the narrative of that clearly of that baby scoop era, which is I don't think that's still said to people anymore, but.
1: I don't yeah. either, but maybe it'd be interesting to know if it is in some Yeah, families. we should ask some of our younger adoptees. The other point that. she made that I wanted to make with her, and I forgot, was just the whole that she said when women are sedated back then. Right, right. Don't even experience some of the birth.
0: Right. Yeah. And then or, babies back then yes. too
1: were I didn't sedated. know that.
0: Yes. So yes.
1: recently, did you tell me that? I think
0: you told think me I that. I I might've told you that. Yeah. Crazy. Well, Sarah, (sighs) what do we say? (laughs) Another great episode. Another great episode. See you next time. See you then. Thanks so much for listening today.
1: And remember, if you'd like to share your stories or suggest any guests for our show, you can find us on all the socials at The Making of Me Podcast.
0: And again, we have a Patreon page so that we can continue to bring these great adoption stories to you. So if you want to find that and donate or contribute in any way, Find us at patreon.com searching adoption colon the making of me. Bye. See you next time.